0: Is Derek Shelton the guy to lead this Pirates team back to the promised land? Gary discusses on today's Locked On Pirates. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network,
1: your team every day.
0: You are Locked On Pirates, and my name is Jeff Carr. I am the Locked On MLB Channel Manager. Filling in for Ethan Smith, also filling in for Ethan, is Gary Morgan from Bucks in the Basement. And you can follow him at GaryMo2007 on Twitter for more Pirates coverage. As uh, we've looked all week at what the Pirates have done this year to take that step forward and why the rebuild is over and why next year we should start to see the Bucks take a step. Gary dives into the management of the team, and is Derek Shelton really the guy? I mean, as, as he's about to say, and as I think even non-Pirates fans are aware of, we know that Derek Shelton's going to be here next year. But what does that mean? Is the team going to take a step forward? And what is the one most annoying thing that he does? Gary talks about all that. He also looks at uh, the one thing to watch out for next year to to know that everything is working. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Pirates that is brought to you by FanDuel. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And we'll get started uh, looking at Derek Shelton as uh, Gary kind of,
1: he's
0: he's on the fence about him.
1: Hi, everyone, and thanks again, Jeff. Uh, thank you all, if you've been following along all week. Um, it's been fun doing this uh, for a change of pace, and uh, appreciate you all being along with me the whole time. I think today, I, I said I wanted to leave it open for kind of whatever I felt like talking about. So I'm going to go after something that I rarely ever really talk to. And that's Derek Shelton. Derek Shelton is a hot button. You know, old timers don't like him because he coaches kind of in in the new coach way. Youngsters don't like him because he's not 100% adapted to or adopting of the analytics approach. So you can't even... 100% 100% claim that he's a nouveau coach. And, bluntly, the losing. You can't lose that much. Even if your team sets you up for failure, you can't lose that much and have, you know, a fan base really rally behind you, right? So what is Derek Shelton? What is he a good coach? Is he a bad coach? Does it matter because we're going to be stuck with him next year one way or another? I think that's where I want to, want to go with, with at least the first part of this episode, because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what is Derek Shelton's fault, what isn't Derek Shelton's fault, what is his decision, what's Ben Charrington deciding for him. and I, I think it's fair to say, really, that stuff changes as seasons go on, especially when you're in a rebuild, which we're not anymore. Right? We, we already discussed that. That's over now. Well, with that comes looking at Derek Shelton in a different light, too. Um, let me get it off my chest first. I, I personally don't think that he's the coach for getting this thing to the next place it needs to go. I, I also think that he was a perfectly fine starter coach. I don't think it's entirely unreasonable to let him have a crack at it next year and see what he can do with the better talent. Um, That's what's going to happen, whether I like it or not anyway. But it seems to me like up until this point, I think he's been a pretty good soldier as far as like doing what he was asked to do and onboarding guys. Let's talk about some of those silly things that I think people really do hate about them. The lineups, for one thing. Changing the lineup constantly. I personally, being an older person, I hate it. I hate it With, with a burning passion. I hate changing the lineup constantly. I try to look at this from both sides. I do think when he finds somebody that he trusts, like Brian Reynolds or like Brian Hayes or Andrew McCutcheon or even Carlos Santana to a degree this year, I think you saw, he tends to stick them where he thinks they should be. And they don't move much. You know, Brian Hayes will lead off against left-handed pitchers for sure. And lately he's kind of just been leaving them up there to, to lead off against uh righties as well but G1 Bay has started to get a, a few looks there and and there's only one other place he moves Hayes to so I do think there's there's something to be said for the fact that when he trusts a player he will leave them go I look at that as hopeful that as he develops more players that he has that kind of faith and trust in we'll see the lineup become a little more consistent but I don't think we're ever going to see from this management team in general, I don't think we're ever going to see lineups that are just run out there day after day. There's a couple reasons for that. One, they just don't have that kind of lineup. Uh, they just don't. There's certain matchups you just want to avoid, and there's certain parts of this roster that, I'm sorry, you just don't want to try it out there every single day. So the lineup is going to change. The other thing is Major League Baseball is just trending in that direction. You can't give me an example that isn't the Atlanta Braves right now that uses a consistent lineup. You just can't. Um, It doesn't happen anymore. You have uh, a guy here or there that gets stuck in a spot like the... The Dodgers will use Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman in the same spot all the time, but everybody else is going to bounce around. Atlanta is really the only one that I can think of that, that truly is using that same one through nine just about every day in that same exact order. And hey, like you, as a fan, I can look at Atlanta's record and go, hey, see, that's why. But also look at their roster. What would you move? I don't care who you are. What coach would would move most of those guys? You know, are you going to do something with Acuna other than lead him off? He's got sixty steals and thirty home runs. I mean, like, <laughs> I think, I think in some ways we blind ourselves as to the options that are actually on the table. Again, I'm not. This isn't to defend Derek Shelton. This is just to say, on this issue in particular, he probably takes a little more heat than he needs to take. I think we'll we'll probably see him evolve on this as as time rolls on. And that's what you want, right? You want your coach to evolve. You want your coach to to grow. I think for some of the starter coaches, most of the starter coaches for that matter, like a Lloyd McClendon, you know, guys like that, they tend to not grow with the situation. And and if you don't grow with the situation, eventually you get moved on from. So if you don't start to see Derek Shelton make some alterations to the way he coaches and move more towards, you know, I think what you would find acceptable, then, yeah, he's probably going to wind up getting moved on from. But the lineup won't be why. <laughs> that's just a that's just reality. He hasn't had what you guys think he has if, if he thinks he should have some kind of consistent lineup. It just hasn't been there. Bluntly, I can't even come up with one. There's there are nights when I would prefer Jack Sawinski just not be in there. You know, against a wipeout slider lefty. I, I I'm not sure I need to see that. So, you know, maybe I would prefer Connor Joe on that day or whoever. I think that I think so, in many ways, that sort of thing is overblown. The next issue that we'll get into when we come back from a break is we'll start talking about the rest days, right? I mean, he always seems to take the guys out when they're really hot. That's what I hear all the time. So as soon as uh, Brian Hayes started hitting, now we have to sit him. Well, sometimes I can get behind what you're saying, and sometimes, sometimes, folks... It's just kind of crap, and it's always happened even back in the 80s a little bit.
0: <laughs> Gary explains more why the frustration with the weird off days that Derek Shelton tends to give players coming up next. Before we talk about that, I want to tell you about one of today's sponsors, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one sports book in America for a big reason and as we head into the NFL season you have a lot of great opportunities to join FanDuel. If you haven't joined them today they are offering new customers this great promo. If you bet five dollars you get back in bonus bets guaranteed. You don't have to win. You don't have to lose. You don't even have to tie. It's just literally bet $5, get $200 in bonus bets. And they also have an offer for all customers, new or, you know, continuing customers. If you bet $5, you get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube and YouTube TV. I mean, that's pretty easy. Five bucks on anything. You want to bet five bucks on the Pirates money line tonight? Guess what? Guess what? You get $100 off your NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube TV just like that. Check out FanDuel today. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. They've got all kinds of great bets, whether you're talking about the money lines, prop bets, over-unders, everything that you can think of. Plus, you can combine different bets within the same game for a same-game parlay and a bigger payout. If you really think the Pirates are going to have a great night tonight, then hit them up on FanDuel. They've got a lot of great prop bets there for you. Uh, check out Fandle.com slash locked on and get in on these awesome promos right ahead of football season. Fandle is an official partner of the NFL. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Pirates your first listen every single day. If you are not, make sure that you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app and right here on YouTube as... Uh, Ethan will return next week, and he'll continue looking at this Pirates team, how they can finish out the season strong. Uh, they, they're going to pass their uh, win total from last year and hopefully hit the over. I actually have an over ticket. Yes, I my day job is as the Locked On Reds host, but I thought the Pirates are going to be better this season, and I took over 67.5 over there on FanDuel, and I think that's going to pay out. Uh, so Ethan will have you covered every day as we head to that point. But as Gary is about to detail, Derek Shelton has a very strange, annoying flaw in the way that he manages the lineup.
1: All right. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, Back at it here, picking up where we, where we left off talking about Derek Shelton. So the next thing I always hear you guys complain about, and me too, is resting guys that are hot. I do think there are times when, he's gotten a little too jumpy with with the lineup and he has decided to sit people that I thought were, were on the verge of looking like they are ready to break out. Now, I wouldn't care if he had a lineup full of veterans and he was just playing his gut or playing a hunch because I think that's within a, a coach's purview. That's within a coach's rights to, to feel like, hey, this guy's the guy I want to see today against this pitcher, he's the one watching them in batting practice. He's the one, you know, getting a feel for his team. So if he wants to make that sort of a decision, sure. But I don't think that's what it's been. I think up until this point, what it's been largely is, hey, we've got these three guys that can play this position. I want to see this many at-bats from each of these three guys over the course of this amount of time. That's the way Ben Sherrington tells him who to play, okay? When you're when you're in a rebuild, you're going to get told things like that from your general manager. You're going to get dictated to a little bit as far as how you work that out. I believe that is on Derek Shelton. So I think it's fair to criticize him a little bit for some of that stuff. And what I mean by that is even though Ben Sherrington's telling him, hey, I want to make sure I get to see... You know, a hundred at bats from Josh Van Meter. Gross, right? <laughs> but let's say that Ben Charrington says, "I want to see a hundred at bats from Josh Van Meter." Well, I don't think that I don't think that Derek Shelton necessarily felt like he had to do that all consecutively. But then again, maybe for all we know. Derek Shelton's trying to get this experiment over with as quickly as possible. Get him back out the door. You know, if I've got to get him 100 at-bats, let me get the 100 at-bats in. Get him off my roster. Get this over with. I'm just using that as an example. But, like, there's, there's definitely some little kinks in, in our thought process when we start talking about who's doing what and who's responsible for what. A, a real common misconception is people that think Ben Sherrington's like calling the dugout and suggesting that you substitute someone in or whatever. <laughs> I, that just doesn't happen, except for like maybe around like the trade deadline when you know you're in active negotiations with somebody and you just don't want to risk their getting hurt. You might see something like that where they get pulled out, but for the most part, that's not happening. He's not calling Derek Shelton on a Saturday afternoon and going, hey, I saw what you put out there. I'd rather see Josh Palacios out in the right field than than so-and-so. It's just not happening. So that's, that's on the coaching level, I would say. The mix of players, though, it's another thing Derek Shelton gets blamed for. Who get blamed for not knowing how to run a bullpen or not knowing how to run a rotation. And I'm looking at, at the players that he's got, and I'm not seeing a rotation. So I'm not sure how he's getting blamed for running a, a rotation the wrong way. He doesn't have one. That's on Ben Sherrington for not giving him one. I highly doubt that Derek Shelton is sitting there pointing a finger at at the roster and like begging for more two or three inning guys so that he can just slap together the best he can, I think he'd prefer to have starters. Don't you? I do. I mean his his career's on the line, right? He knows that. I don't think he's choosing that. But for that simple fact, for what you've watched at the end of the year, these couple years, where they have literally had no pitching staff left. That's Ben Charrington's doing and his creation. And it's hardly fair to blame Derek Shelton for it. I I think that right in and of itself, what he's given Derek Shelton to work with in the second half of some of these years is proof positive whether he was extended early in the year or not, whether you believe he deserved it or not, he was always going to be back for 2024. It's pretty simple. They did not give him anything to, like, really judge him by until this year. Now, as far as, like, the hitting coach, and and I heard Jason Mackey's report yesterday that he was 99% sure Andy Haynes is coming back. um, I'm going to choose to not be angry about that until it actually comes to pass, and then I'll have some words. But for right now, I'm going to take it for what it is, which is, Everybody rallying around and circling the wagons on somebody that they know is under fire. And I would hope that the light of the season ending would probably change some minds and open some minds to moving on and and changing some things. But if not, what am I going to do, man? I'm going to watch the team next year, right? They're my team. I just, uh, I'm not going to like it. And I wouldn't have brought him back this year, so this is a, a long-standing grudge for me. So it, I'm ready for him to move on, but if not, it is what it is. And in that case, yeah, <laughs> that would be a criticism of Derek Shelton, because I do believe, at, at his level, he's got the power to step into that room and tell them he doesn't think this is working anymore. thing is, I think he does think it's working. So the criticisms are certainly valid of Derek Shelton, but I think he gets blamed for a lot that that isn't necessarily his problem, if you know what I mean. It, and I think that it's that way with with all rebuilding coaches, really. It takes a long time to like actually get to the point where you can really point a finger at them and pin them down. They're pretty slippery, if you think about it. Is, it like, is, is 2020 Derek Shelton's fault? He walked in to a team that I guess had talked themselves into thinking they had enough to win in 2019, and they sure didn't. And then a lot of veterans that wanted to stick around, and they actually strong-armed him into keeping their hitting coach because they loved him so much. And then they went out and put up one of the worst offensive seasons, if that's what you want to call it. In 2020, that we've seen in recent times, it was awful. Um, that said, it was only 60 games, and that was enough to get rid of him. Now we're potentially going to be entering season three with Andy Haynes, who's put up equally to maybe worse numbers with better players. Yeah, folks, something stinks in the state of Denmark here. <laughs> I think, I think we need to see what happens with it before we start getting mad about it. That's all. And, and I, I didn't need the prompting to help me rail against Andy Haynes. So this doesn't really change much for me. I'll wait and see how final it is before I, I really start going after them about it. But all in all, I think the coaching, it's fair to start looking at some things like Oscar Marin is starting to lay down a little bit of a track record. I think he's also laying down a little bit of a track record of some guys that he doesn't get through to. And I think that's acceptable and fair and reasonable to to expect he's not going to get through to everybody. But when it's bigger names or guys that you already felt were in the win column like Rowanzi Contreras, which I'm not saying Rowanzi can't come back and do okay. I'm just saying right now, He looks like a guy that is a candidate to have been a brightly burning star that burns out quickly. Let's say that happens. Well, then that becomes a pretty big strike against a guy like Oscar Marin. So we'll see what they do here. But I think Oscar Marin has done enough that he's going to get another season, and I don't think there really should be all that many complaints about it. Johan Oviedo was a big win for him. Mitch Keller, regardless of whether you want to give him credit or not, Mitch does. So I think he's a win in that column. There's an awful lot of bullpen arms they've brought in, an awful lot of scrap guys they've brought in. I think what you really need to see from him is is a homegrown talent really come through and win. Mitch Keller kind of doesn't count because he didn't start him off. I think I need to see somebody fresh, somebody like a Jared Jones needs to emerge, or Quinn Priest, or he's had him under his charge for a long time. Um, somebody along those lines needs to come up here, and and be one hundred percent cultivated and grown by this system for me to start really seeing if this system, including Oscar Marin who is the brain trust of that system can put all the pieces together. He's going to get another year just like Derek Shelton. So we're going to see next year what he's got, right? Can he just tweak veterans and and do good things? Or is he capable of taking youngsters and moving them along? Johan Oviedo starts to put a little evidence in that bucket. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, all in all, 2023, the coaching staff sounds like it's on track to look almost exactly the same. And a lot of you have decided that's already a fatal flaw. Maybe it is. But what do we look for? What would actually let you know early on in 2024, yes, they've made a mistake here. And would they change course like midseason if that was the case?
0: Gary details what to watch for next year, coming up next. Before we get into that, wanted to remind you that you can catch every pitch of the Pirates hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search the word Pirates. And as Gary's done such an amazing job all week, if you have missed some of his coverage, make sure you go back. He's done a very good job detailing how the Pirates got to this point why the rebuild part of the rebuild is over and why it's time to move forward and how they can do that. Lots of great stuff from Gary. I'm I'm sure he'll be back on with Ethan. Ethan returns next week and looking forward to seeing him back. But as Gary said, there's one key thing to look for early on next season to let you know that it's all working. And he dives into what that is.
1: All right. Thanks, Jeff. Here we go. Last segment of the week for me here on Locked On Pirates. Um, again, thank you all for joining me all week. Hit that subscribe button and look forward to my buddy Ethan coming back here on Monday. Now, what do I look for next year? What what tells me, hey, this is working, this isn't working? Will they move on from them? Probably not. Um, I think they've shown us enough evidence now that they're not just going to move on from coaches mid-season. Um, They won't even do it with a hitting coach, let alone the actual coach. It's a good chance whatever they enter the season with next year is what they're going to end the season with. I kind of got, I didn't get accused of of creating clickbait the other day when I said the rebuild was over. But I could tell that, you know, it was seen as um, trying to be shocking or whatever. But it's not about trying to shock you. It's about me trying to change the vocabulary a little bit. The reason I'm doing it is because I think I don't want 2024 to be seen as part of this overall effort to learn and grow and cultivate some seeds and see what grows, as you always hear. This 2024 needs to be better. 2024 needs to be. Beyond the first rung on the ladder. It's time to start climbing up and building now. That should go for everything. There should be an air of of seriousness. We talked about, well, how do you judge Derek Shelton up until now? Because he's had this and he's had nothing here. And it's all true. But in 2024, it should not be true. Derek Shelton shouldn't be auditioning guys left and right. Derek Shelton should have nice pieces all around the diamond and all over the mound and all through the bullpen that he should be able to use as an effective baseball coach. There should be absolutely no more of that playing around with, well, he was trying to find out if any Capra had anything. Oh, he was trying to see if Josh Palacios could handle playing seven or eight days in a row, and what would that lead to? No. It's time for that to be over now. And if we don't change the language about this rebuild and realize that it needs to be over, it needs to be over as an excuse, too, not just a functional entity, then they're going to get away with it. I, for one, want to be prepared to call them on it if they if they screw the pooch here, okay? I want to be prepared to go, no, I'm sorry, Derek, you had pieces this time. You still failed. Time to move on. They may not listen to me, but <laughs> it's time. It's time, man. Line in the sand. That's what we want to do. I think the coaching staff as a whole returning is not a huge deal. I really would move on from the hitting coach. And even if I didn't move on from the hitting coach, I think I would approach my major league staff a little bit differently. I know we have helpers for Andy Haynes already, like Christian Marrero. And I know that Oscar Morin has help as well. But I'd like to see a little bit more formalization. I think I'd like to see a few extra hitting instruction minds there. I'd like to see a few extra pitching instruction minds there. Not that they would take part in formulating the overall plans. That that can still be Oscar Marin's job. And if, if the Pirates, in their infinite wisdom, decide that Andy Haynes is still doing that, okay. But get some other eyes in there. Get some other guys that that can look at swings and help them. Look at pitching mechanics and help guys. That's all. Give people a different person to go talk to, a different voice to listen to, somebody that might be able to help them so they don't struggle for two, three months before an adjustment that winds up being relatively simple is made. That's just happened too many times now. The little tweaks like that that like Cabrian Hayes has gone through at the plate. We're talking about like moving his bat head like a half an inch so it's less hanging over his head and he's quicker through the zone. We're talking about like getting rid of a of a little bit of a toe tap and going back to a leg kick. We're talking little tiny changes. Brian Reynolds stand up just a little bit straighter. And don't crouch quit so much. Rob yourself of power. Little tiny changes to players that can legitimately hit. I I just think they need different people to take a different look at at things. They need to expand this group a little bit. And that is not going to break the bank, even for the pirates. You have to spend a little bit more to, to have a few extra eyes on people. Hey. I think I think that's that's a small price to pay. And when you have this many children, they need a little more attention. When you go full youth movement, all of a sudden you've got like a nest full of baby birds with their mouths open, like begging for information and help and guidance. And that is not the same as coaching a fully mature Major League Baseball team. You know, like, The Dodgers coaching staff doesn't need to walk around and maintain everybody in that room. So they can spend extra time with somebody like James Outman, you know, to help him struggle through this season and and still be productive. They don't have to focus on 11 other guys just like him. And I think that's something that happened here and something that is sure to happen next year. So to me, I'd expand the coaching staff a little bit and get some extra voices in there. But make no mistake, next year, there's no more rocks to hide under. The rebuild's over again. And it needs to be over for the coaching staff, too. Next year, they get evaluated without any such filters or crutches. Nowhere to hide. That's something to look forward to, honestly. Because it's been hard watching poor decisions be made over and over again, knowing that Derek Shelton wasn't going to get blamed for it. Constantly trying to tell all of you to calm down and and give it a break, if only because I knew he was still going to be here. Well, after next year, I think you can officially start questioning that and should. It's a different stage now. I'm excited for it. And uh, again, thanks for joining me all week. This has been a lot of fun for me. Good stuff. And let's go Bucks!
0: Thanks so much for joining Locked On Pirates this week, and thanks for making us your first listen. Before we get out of here, remember that you can catch every pitch of the Pirates hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search the word Pirates. But as for Gary and myself, that'll do it for us this week. Ethan will return next week. I'm sure he is chomping at the bit to talk about this Bucco's team. So make sure you're joining. Make sure you're subscribed because we will be Locked On Pirates every single day.